Part three of our series on Leonard Lake and Charles Ng takes us to the tragic story of the Bond family and the capturing of the second M lady. We'll read the full police transcript of the sadistic tape they made featuring Brenda O'Connor and then discuss the small time crime that would lead one of these criminals to their death and one to flee the country. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. A couple things. Yes, there's a part four. Yes, tonight's episode is incredibly disturbing. No, Mike does not have a bottle of wine. Stick around. What could go wrong? This is Necronomapod. Why are you doing this? Because we hate you. Your baby is going to be taken away. So just when you think the story's wrapping up or going to get a little bit better, uh, no, we're going to hit new deaths tonight. Yeah. And we're going to take it to a part four. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Bam. I think people have these over-unders for these big shows now at like four parts. Is he going to go over or under? Is it going to hit five? Is it going to hit six? Has there ever been a series that you thought was going to be long and you were like, oh, damn, got that wrapped up in one episode, two episodes? Uh, probably H.H. H. Holmes. I thought there was going to be a lot more to that. When that actually real, could have just been one part. Probably. When you realize that they're like nothing about any murders, yeah. just a house and a scam artist. Yep. That's one of the, the most over-exaggerated stories ever. Really, I think there so. was not much to it at all. I was super excited for that one. Then Me too. Turns out not great. Do you think that in the end, that was like his ultimate scam was like he gave us a shit show because he really wasn't a uh, a murderer. He was a scam artist. That's what he was trying to do his whole life. Yeah. He's like, they're going to study me as being this great <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> nope. Nothing. Could be. Just running around stealing identities. Common thief. Hmm. Con man. Speaking of stealing identities, <laughs> where'd we leave off? Where we left off on part two, Leonard Lake and Charles Ng had killed the entire Dubs family and found their first known M lady in high school student Kathy Allen that there was confirmed videotape of. Following this, Lake and Ng would commit their last known murders of Lonnie Bond Sr., age 27, Brenda O'Connor, age 19, and their one-year-old son, Lonnie Bond Jr., and that is reported differently. I think I bring it up later in the outline but I can't remember if I did or not. So sometimes there's some eighties reporting, like you can go back to the newspapers. Some report that the baby was two years old. Um, the book says one. So I went with one, Okay. but I've seen it multiple different ways, either one or two, regardless. It's like, you know, the baby is taught, you know, getting to toddler age. Well, it'd take a real dickhead of a listener to hold you over the coals for that one. Ian. Yeah. There'll be one. <laughs> That's so why I wanted to get in front of it and make sure they knew they were uh, a Ian, here's his birth certificate. He was 18 months <laughs> and three days, so uh, maybe do better research. I like how you were trailing off into like my voice yeah. impression of a listener. <laughs> oh, no, do better research. 
Fuck him. <laughs> that wasn't even Dave's clip. Yeah. That was live. That was me. <laughs> and they also killed Lonnie Sr.'s best friend, Scott Stapley. Scott's middle name, his first name is Robin. So no one else gets on me about that, potentially. Scott Stapley, age 26, who was a founding member of the San Francisco chapter of the Guardian Angels. The M lady thing was from uh, the collector book, right? That's where he got this whole idea. And the the character's name is Miranda Operation Miranda. Just wanted to remind people, lest they forgot (laughs) from last week. In January of 1985, the couple moved next door to the cabin Lake and Ing were living in. Lake introduced himself as Fat Charles Gunner and told the family that he was a professional photographer. To start off on a good foot, Lake took family pictures for them, but it soon went south with Lonnie Bond Sr. calling Lake, quote, a huge pain in the ass. Talk about bad luck and neighbors. You got lucky, Mike, yeah. and you moved in next door to me. Not like these people. Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Minus that, like, 8 o'clock at night lawnmowering. Oh, well, that was after he moved. Yeah. He was saying with him oh. like, as my neighbor. Yeah. And then it kind of turned south. For the, you. Uh, yeah. Oh, the people I sold my house to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, weren't, they weren't great. <laughs> Mike's new neighbors. Yeah. It was so weird. <laughs> it was literally dark out and they're mowing their front yard. With the headlights on. Yeah. Not even. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they didn't. No. <laughs> that one I remember sitting in your. Uh, That's right. In your driveway, just watching this dude lawnmower. Yeah. It was 845. Completely The sun dark. had set. <laughs> Mowing away. No lights, nothing. Okay. What are you going to do? People work different shifts, Mike. Who are you to judge? (laughs) I am Mike. And I judge. (laughs) I am the homeowner next door. That's a motherfucker. (laughs) Lake was particularly annoyed with Lonnie's use of guns for target practice. Lonnie's on his own property doing it. And it's weird considering that fully auto Mac 10 that lake had like you think these two would get along about guns that's something they could bond uh, over yeah yeah but lake was annoyed with how much he was out there shooting yeah gun guys like gun guys i mean it just seems like you would hit it off Hmm. to a degree i guess at least have something to talk about not get mad at him over you would think lonnie would bond with him (laughs) (laughs) it's his last name guys get it it's his last name (laughs) And at the same time, Lonnie was getting real fed up with Lake trying to show them nude photos of women and young girls and aggressively trying to get Brenda to pose for news for nude photos. Yeah, I could see how that would be obnoxious and annoying. Yeah, like after the first time, hey, fuck face. Yeah. My girlfriend's not posing nude for you. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Stop showing me these creepy photos you, you have. weirdo. Always was showing people those pictures. So weird. It's very strange. It's time to move already. As soon as you move in, you're like, uh, yeah, mm, yeah right. We got our deposit back on this plan. <laughs> Reporting on how all this transpired differs in news reports. Like I said earlier from the newspapers in the eighties, Scott Stapley could have just been over hanging out with Lonnie, but some reports say that Scott was out there as a form of protection to help with the situation of Lonnie starting to really feel that something was off with Lake and Ng. You got to get that vibe right away, right? Yeah. Being around these guys for 10 minutes. You have to. I, I feel like you would. Yeah. See as soon as that photo book came out, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, something's a little off here. Yeah. yeah. Time to go. Regardless, in April of 1985, Lake invited all of them over for dinner. Based on evidence after the fact, it's thought that Lake and Ng separated Brenda from Lottie and Scott 
at some point in the evening. Lonnie and Scott were probably killed pretty quick, but evidence showed that they were probably subjected to some form of torture. Both men's teeth were broken, who police believe was from uh, the barrel of a gun in their mouths, and they had ball gags in their mouths. Both of them also had their wrists and ankles bound. Regarding the baby, Lonnie Bond Jr., according to Ng, Lake put the baby's head between his thighs and twisted his body, breaking the baby's neck. With Brenda alone, she would become the second known M-Lady. I don't even know what to say about all that. It's. I wonder how they were able to pull it off with Lonnie Sr. and Scott. I mean, Scott, a founding member of the Guardian Angels, this is going to be a little bit of a tough guy, right? Yeah. I, I think they, that's they why he was, off. if he was there for protection, I think that well, that's why he was the guy to come. But that almost makes it seem like it, it probably was a quick kill, right? Like, Ng and Lake aren't going to, like, beat the shit out of this guy, like, in a straight up, you know, or, like, power him down or something. That's at least not how I would see it. They had silencers on their weapons and stuff. That's what I mean. Just a quick one to the back of the head, at least one of them, maybe. And then, what, break their teeth afterwards? I don't know. Yeah. It seems to have had, it would have had to go pretty quick. But I think why we'll get into with the tape. Brenda keeps asking where they are. I think that's why police think that they somehow separated them away from her. She wasn't aware that anything had happened. Right. Like we said, when discussing the tape of Kathy Allen, there are only small clips available online. This is all from the police notes regarding the tape of Brenda O'Connor that go into details of the tape. And this is pretty awful stuff, but I know I think it's probably important to illustrate the depravity of the story, I guess. Yeah, because like I said, you can see it's like maybe three minutes worth of the clip online. So you Mm -hmm. you see it and you're like, oh, that's terrible. But you can when you actually read an officer's notes front to, you know, beginning to end it really makes you realize it's being it's like being in a live action horror movie. Yeah, more or less. So all this is word for word from the police notes, and you guys feel free to jump in anytime. In the opening shots of the tape scene, Brenda O'Connor sits in the same brown chair Kathy Allen had used, with the same backdrop depicting a mural of a forest in fall colors. On the table to Brenda's right, a lamp provides muted light. She's dressed in a long-sleeved tomato red jersey with a white bodice and blue jeans. Her light brown hair is cut in a page boy, and she is without makeup. Her hands are cuffed behind her. Lake's voice breaks the silence, apparently answering her question about what happened to Lonnie Bond and Scott Stapley. Well, if you must know, I didn't do anything to them. Brenda asks apparently for a second time, what did you do with them? Her voice is soft but firm. I didn't do anything with them. Lake sounds perfectly calm. She asks, did you kill them? No, we didn't kill them. Are you going to let us go soon? She sounds wishful. Probably not. With a barely perceptible tremble, Brenda asks, never, what are you going to do? Kill us? That's sort of up to you, Brenda, Lake says. Brenda's next question reveals that she thinks Lake's name is Charles Gunner. Charles, what are you going to do with us? Why are you doing this? Because we hate you, he answers, his voice full of cold malice. What did we do to you? Shut up, he commands, and adds, what a hairy day. Weird phrase. 
I don't know what that means, really. Like things got hairy today, getting to this point. Taking care of the other guys, probably. Pretty ominous. Her voice quaking and breaking into a falsetto. Brenda says, gotta get my baby down here. Lake speaks cryptically. Your baby is sound asleep, like a rock. Brenda, the neighborhood doesn't like you. The neighborhood doesn't like Lonnie. And we haven't liked you since you moved in. So we'll leave, she offers. Oh, you've already left. We've closed you down. We got together and took you away. We took Scott away. Lonnie's going to earn a decent living for the rest of his life. I know he is. Your baby is going to be taken away. Lake seems to be panting and comments, excuse the heavy breathing. Weirdo, he's getting excited. Clearly not the first time they've done this. Now a trace of panic enters Brenda's voice. What do you mean taken away? Still speaking in a dispassionate tone, Lake answers, there's a family in Fresno that doesn't have a baby. Brenda pleads, you're not taking my baby away from me. Even though Lake is not in the scene, his smirk is obvious. They've got one now. Charles Ng, clad in black, appears in the picture. In an alto voice, he said, it's better than the baby is dead, right? More spirited, but still sitting, Brenda protests Lake's comment about giving her baby to a Fresno family. What do you mean they've got one now? That's my baby. Lake's words turn menacing. Brenda, you have a choice. We'll give it to you right now. What? She asks. Resuming his calm demeanor, Lake spells it out. You can cooperate with us. By cooperating with us, that means you will stay here as our prisoner. You will work for us. You will wash for us. You will fuck for us. Or you can say no. No, I don't want to do that. In which case, we'll tie you to a bed, we'll rape you, and we'll take you outside and shoot you. Your choice. That's a slap, and uh, that'll wake you up real quick hearing that. Man, that's terrifying. It, I mean, it really is a, a real-life horror movie. Absolutely. Like that. Just I, putting I, yourself in that, in that spot, man. Yeah, like I watched Honeydew, that newer movie recently. Mm-hmm. It's the same premise, you know, being kind of kept captive like this slumping and subdued brenda says i'll cooperate ing chimes in again with that's wise lake sounding a bit surprised at her capitulation notes that was fast once more ing comments very wise i hate this ing guy Uh, he's shut up he's like the little uh this little evil like troll helper in the background (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah 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 that's it yeah Yeah, he's definitely more openly showing he enjoys this. Yeah, right. Brenda makes it clear her concern is less for herself and more for little Lonnie Bond Jr. She begs, are you really going to take my baby away from me? Blake says, yes, we are. Personally, I don't think you're a fit mother. Where's Lonnie? Blake tells her, they've been taken away. There's a place up in the hills where they'll split wood for the rest of their happy lives. Hope shows in her voice. You mean you haven't killed them or anything? No, I haven't killed them. Although if they die, that's uh, that's their problem. To be honest, I could care less. They had better cooperate too. They're getting the same choice you're getting. To be honest, for all I know, maybe they're dead right now. Brenda asks, is that why you invited us over for dinner? Lake says, uh-huh. Ng interjects, it's part of the game. 
Lake seems to be growing impatient, says, You guys have been such assholes, Brenda. You know, Lonnie hasn't been all that bad. I'll give you that, except for his shooting. But you've been an asshole like I can't believe. So you have been so damn rude and for no reason that I can figure. Probably mainly because she wouldn't pose nude for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's his definition of an asshole. So I said these, both of these guys are like the prototype for the online neckbeard persona. Oh, yeah. The incels, incels of the world. Yeah. Didn't someone call us incels once in a review? They did. <laughs> did they? Yeah. Someone did. Yeah. Uh, I found that humorous. <laughs> that does ring a bell not you say that. Perhaps rationalizing or afraid to admit her true reasons for being rude to Lake, she explains, because I can't stand it up here. It's in the middle of nowhere. Ah, uh, Lake says. They exchange a few comments about letters from Brenda to Lonnie that Lake has read. Brenda asks, are you going to keep me up here the rest of my life or something? No, Lake answers. To be honest with you, I probably won't keep you up here for more than a few weeks. But uh, after that, we'll probably pass you around. There's other. And then it trails. And then his voice trails out. Brenda seems to be distracted and she turns her face toward the lamp, muttering, that light is hot. Lake responds, suffer. Again, speaking in riddles, he says, it's uh, there's people that are going to want to know that we did our job. There's already some guys that took Lonnie and Scott away. Why do you do this? We don't like you. Would you like me to put that in writing? Ng adds, it's done. Just take whatever we tell you. Sounding as if she's close to tears, Brenda chokes, I can't do this. We're going to sit back and enjoy ourselves, Lake taunts. It's been a hectic day, and you're going to learn the true meaning of fuckface. Standing near the chair, Ng nods, uh-huh. Lake asks Ng, where are the manacles? Ng responds, the manacles, yeah, and produces ankle clamps linked together with a chain. Ugh, they're ready to go, huh? Brenda twists in her chair and asks, can you loosen these? She's referring to the handcuffs behind her. We're going to take them off in a minute, Lake promises. While Brenda asks again, you didn't hurt Lonnie, did you? Ng removes his black shirt. He steps in front of her, reaches for the neckline of the jersey, and says, since you say you're hot, I'll take it off for you. He begins ripping the garment open. What? Brenda cries in shock. Lake, his voice sounding amusing, says, well, she could actually take it off herself, but as Ng rips the jersey open, he answers Lake, well, with the cuffs on, it's hard. Oh, I was going to have you take the cuffs off, Lake says. Brenda protests, I'm not hot. Ng continues to tear the shirt, leaving only shreds hanging on her exposed bra. Lake asks Ng, where are the manacles, Charlie? Ignoring as Ng strips the shirt from her, Brenda makes another plea. Would you please just go get my baby? You can't keep my baby away from me for sex. Lake, disregarding her whimpering, asks again about the manacles. Ng shows them to him and Lake says, oh, put them on her. Take the handcuffs off. Finally addressing her concerns about the child, Lake adds, I'm taking your baby because your baby is innocent in this. There's nothing... And then his voice trails out. 
While Eng kneels in front of Brenda and binds her ankles, she says, but so am I. You two are crazy. That's for sure. Lake says, well, maybe the whole neighborhood is crazy. The point is, you haven't been particularly innocent while you've been here. In fact, you've been something of a first-class asshole. However, we're going to give you the opportunity to uh, make up for it. Ing wields a knife and cuts away the remaining shards of her jersey. Lake chides, you're so crude, Charlie. I actually like that shirt. Okay. Ing interrupts. It's gone now. Let's see what we're buying. Okay, says Lake. Brenda asks, what are you going to do? Sell me or something? No, as a matter of fact, Lake mutters, we're not going to sell you at all. We're going to give you away. Ing raises the knife again, slips it between her breasts, and slices the bra in two. To Lake, Brenda objects, don't cut off my bra. The white undergarment falls away, exposing her breasts. Ing informs Brenda, nothing is yours now. It'll be totally ours. He stands, his shadow completely covering her. Take her handcuffs off, Charlie, and let her get out of that chair. Ing obeys, leaning over to reach behind Brenda and removes the cuffs. Perhaps seeing tears in her eyes, he says, Okay, you can cry and stuff like the rest of them, but that won't do you no good. We are pretty cold-hearted, so to speak. That's the quote that's going to get Charles Ing in trouble. Because that implies more than like the Kathy of, Allen. Like the rest of them? Yeah. Yeah. Because he would, that's what prosecutors will argue. He would have said the other like her, one. The other, like her. Yeah, the other one, not the rest of them. So he's implicating himself in multiple additional homicides. Yeah, and more. Okay. More of that on part seven. <laughs> Late cuts in. Frankly, I'm hot as they come. Did you take the cups off her? Ing answers in the affirmative and addresses Brenda. I'll get me weapon handy in case you try to play stupid. Brenda, probably sensing the serious danger she faces and deciding to go along with the pair of men, says, I ain't going to play stupid. I don't want to get killed, you know. Ing says, yeah, that's good. Lake snaps an order. Stand up, Brenda. She seems to hesitate, and he loudly repeats, stand up. She complains again about the heat from the lamp and groans she's feeling sick. Lake says, suffer. Out of camera range, he holds something up, presumably a whip. See this, Brenda? I'm only going to show it to you once. What are you going to do? Beat me? It's a very vicious, as a matter of fact, I just might. If you do exactly as you're told without any fuss, no. Now what's it going to be? Full cooperation. Are you ready for your shower, kid? Ing replies, yeah. Probably referring to her jeans and underwear, Lake says, take them off and run her in. Brenda asks, I'm going to take a shower? Uh-huh, Lake says. Ing adds, clean you up. Lake continues, actually, you're both going to take a shower. Ing, his voice more enthused than before, says, yep, I always do that. It's luckier. This fucking clown always implies a lot more, too. Right? Yeah, I was going to say that again. Yeah. Because if this was just your second one, it's not an always situation. Yeah, I did that last time, not always. Yeah. Lake, in a patronizing tone, explains, see, Charlie owes me one. So, uh, I get you first. But he's got his heart set on taking a shower with you. So who am I to turn him down? Again, like he's like this little fucking 
you know, evil sidekick here. Yeah. I want to. I want to. Awful. Ing inquires of Brenda. You want to take a shower with the leg irons or late commands? No, take them off. He kneels down to remove her ankle chains. She looks down and covers her face momentarily with her hands as if hoping to wake up from a nightmare. I think she believes us, late comments. You better believe us, Brenda, or you'll be dead. Right. Ing agrees. Harshness in his voice, late gives Brenda an order. Take your jeans off. In fact, take your panties off too while you're at it. Eagerly, Ing says to her, why don't you do it yourself while I do mine? Lake, menacing again, repeats the command, stand up and take your jeans off, Brenda. She raises unsteadily, looks to her right at a rattan couch with floral pattern cushions, mostly covered by a blanket striped in muted colors. A heavy dark drapery covers a window behind the couch. Brenda pleads, can I do it over there? That light is... Right there, snaps Lake. Ing echoes him. I'm getting dizzy, Brenda appeals. I don't care. Do what you're told. I'll pass out. I'm afraid. I'm real dizzy. Ing demands, if you don't do it, I'll do it for you. So, Brenda's voice is shaky. She is possibly stalling for time. Well, wait. I'm not too dizzy anymore. Ing shows a touch of patience. Okay, I'll give you a few seconds. Lake makes an offer. Actually, Charlie, I can move the camera over to the couch. Move over to the couch, Brenda. That's away from the heat. She complies, shuffling a few steps to the couch. Ing orders her to sit, and she obeys, saying, Yeah, I feel shaky and dizzy. She gulps air and adds, I'm going to pass out. I guess that light or something. Ing tells her, Well, you can pass out, but we're going to wake you up. Impatiently, Lake says, Brenda, I have a lot of animosity against you, and I would just as soon start you out with a nice firm whipping right now to make you believe how serious we are. Ing backs him up. This thing would hurt, believe me. Lake asks, how would you know? The comment draws a brief chuckle from Ing. Lake, apparently grown weary of her resistance, orders her to stand, slide them down, and sit down. Brenda rises and tries again to delay, saying, I'm just too dizzy. Slide them down. All right, Charlie. Lake apparently leaves the camcorder on a tripod and finally appears on the screen, holding a handgun equipped with a silencer. The weapon startles Brenda, causing her to raise her hands, palms toward the barrel, and drop into a sitting position. Ing looks at Brenda. Yeah, that could be the truth. Uh, yep, sure. Her lips turning pale. Lake's voice is skeptical. Her lips are pale anyway. You got the, uh... Ing asks Brenda, feeling better? You want some water? Lake mutters under his breath. I'll take something to drink, Brenda says. I've been sick all day, real bad. She appears to reach for a cigarette on the table. Lake warns. You know you don't want to smoke that. Do you give up smoking? No. You have now, Lake says. As she seems ready to throw up, Lake warns, if you do it, you clean it up. Brenda's voice is trembling. She groans inaudible words, then whispers, dizzy and sweaty, hot, shaky. Lake finally agrees that the room is very hot and asks Ing to turn on a different light in the kitchen. 
while he's in there getting ice water for Brenda. Ing returns carrying a glass, hands it to her, and then strips to his undershorts. The the microphone picks up the tinkling sound of ice as she drinks. She complains, God, my ears, I keep hearing shh. I mean, you just have to be completely petrified at this point. I mean, starting to sink in. Yeah. It's just unimaginable. Yeah. Lake moves to the couch and sits down on Brenda's left side. He starts to fondle her breast. In what appears to be a referencing to her figure, he asks mm-hmm. Ing, Now tell me, isn't she a little better than Kathy? Ing replies, Sort of, maybe a little, basically the same. Lake disagrees. No, Kathy was. His voice trails off, then rises. She just had a baby. She looks okay. Ing speculates that Brenda was probably a little younger than Kathy. But Lake corrected him. No, she's a year older. Brenda complains again about her dizziness. All I can hear is the shh in the top of my head. Ing asks if she wants some aspirin, but she declines the offer. I've been feeling like this for the last couple days. I don't know why, like I'm pregnant or something. Ing speaks up quickly. Not the right time for that kind of shit. I don't want to have this baby, Brenda says. Is she implying that she is pregnant there or that she just believes she might be pregnant? I don't know. I, the way that I read this coherent kind of maybe like the kind of the way I read it was that regardless of why she said it and thought that it was like a way to maybe get out of the situation. Yeah. That's why, you know, he said it's not time for that shit. Ing steps aside and picks up what appears to be a stun gun. Ing says, Well, we told you what's going to happen to the baby. Just don't ask us or else it'll be history. So I don't want to hear nothing about it. It will be taken care of. Brenda's emotions show she decides to cooperate. Give my baby to me. I'll do anything you want if you. Lake breaks his silence to interrupt her. You're going to do anything we want anyway. And we don't want to have a dirty house around the baby. Brenda cries. He can't live without me. Lake said, he's going to learn. Come on, stand up, jeans off, panties off, and everything else. Shove them down. To Ing, Lake commands, watch that she doesn't fall over in the shower and split her head. Ing concurs. Oh yeah, yeah I won't. Brenda gives up, unzips her jeans, and removes them. With reluctance, she also slides her underpants down and stands naked before the two men. Protesting once more, she says, I don't need to take a shower. I just took a shower. Lake says, you do. And Ing says, both of us are going to make sure you're clean before we fuck you. That's the house rules. Lake agrees, saying traditional. He takes her hand and leads her out of camera range. Ing walks out too. Only voices can be heard. Ing volunteers. Let me make sure there's towels and all that other shit. Lake says, give me your hand, Brenda. Give me your hand. She replies, I don't, and her voice fades. Lake addresses Ing, take good care of her, Charlie. Charlie, see if you cannot get her hair wet. Just wash her body. Not that you have to worry about it. Ing says, you have to worry about it. Brenda's voice can be heard, but her words are unintelligible. Lake says, I don't know. Maybe he does. For all I know, I don't care. Ing complains. 
wrong with this shower head it pisses me off again brenda speaks but her words are garbled ing responds okay okay lake says take care of her now charlie make sure she brushes her teeth and uses mouthwash ing sounds irritated what the fuck is wrong with this shower taking a shower and then it cuts the picture ends the voices terminate and the screen turns snowy and that is the end of the full police notes on that tape oh, man pretty haunting it's like the toy box killer but the, you know actually hear and see what's going on right i can't think of any other police notes like that that i've read about a tape that went into like that much detail yeah, and what was going yeah. on in the tape you know there's other killers who have taped things and this is there's only snippets of this tape online people can yeah. find you there's the whole thing doesn't really exist at least no, publicly. i i haven't gotten i i've gotten to charles ing's trial in the book and stuff mm-hmm. i haven't gotten to the end i i would almost hope that they were destroyed in this case yeah there's no sense in keeping those around yeah we were talking about that not too long ago weren't we i can't remember about what case was that where they the question why they should have destroyed the evidence was it I carla homolka i don't remember that yeah they destroyed all those tapes mm-hmm. yeah yeah we were debating how long or if they should ever do that right this is one of the worst things i've ever read i don't know yeah i mean it's it's real life it's not even just telling this like a story this is legit what happened word for word and i mean what else can you say stands on its own i don't even know what else to say is there something interfering with your happiness something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals let's face it these are certainly trying times from being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health and for that BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, better H-E-L-P, 
com slash necro. On June 2nd, 1985, Charles Ng and Leonard Lake walked into a local hardware store. And how we talked about on part one, with Charles Ng stealing shit, he couldn't help himself and stole a $75 vice. He walked outside the store without Leonard Lake and put the vice in the back seat of the Honda Prelude that the two of them killed Paul Cosner for. I mean, these guys, I think they're starting to, are they starting to think they're super criminals and they can just do no wrong and they're invincible? Or is he just a fucking idiot? I think he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> he's been doing this from the beginning. They just, both of them just, I think I said just on part careless. one, they just, they bumble through this whole story. Yeah. Like if you're slaughtering people at home, I don't know, maybe you're on the download chilling when you're out in public. Maybe you don't want to get picked up on a misdemeanor and they catch you. Right. It's just very odd. Very well, odd behavior. In part one, when he stole all the guns from the armory of the Marines, he told everybody about it. Yeah. He yeah. just walked around fully saying he was going to do that. And I, I just think he's not very bright. Yeah. I, I'm starting to agree. Employees at the store saw Charles Ng take the vice and go to the car. And they also saw Ng walk in with Leonard Lake. Security in the store stopped Lake and held him there while they called the police. Ng was walking back into the store to find Lake saw Lake with the security guard and just turned around and walked away, ditching Lake and the Honda Prelude. <laughs> that was their deal, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck you, dude. Yeah. If we're going down and I have a chance to fuck you over and yeah. get out of it. Yeah. And of course it's the, the dummy who caused this whole mess that gets away. Yeah. You think Lake was like that goddamn <laughs> stupid motherfucker. <laughs> Probably it, a lot of this, like their behavior would be it's very comical like if there weren't so many horrible deaths behind right this like they're bumbling idiots yeah yeah the police got there and saw the vice just sitting in the back seat which gave them probable cause to search the car the first thing they found was a 22 registered to scott stapley which lake honestly he might have been able to get away with this because he was using scott's identity and passing for him so he had switched and now he's using that guy's identity. He uses them all around, huh? Yeah. Because like I said, in the beginning, he introduced himself as Charles Gunner to the Bond family. Uh-huh. He just uses all of them. Charles Gunner, Fat Charles. Yes. I couldn't remember his last name. You have to call him names, Mike. <laughs> hey. Cuck, Cucky Charles. <laughs> Cucky Charles. Or Sucky Charles. <laughs> What's that? Lake Sucked. Charles, like, yeah. I don't think that's what you meant to write. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. That's a real twist in the plot. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he could have passed for Scott Stapley. However, Lake had modified the gun with a silencer, which made it illegal. Can't do that. Nope. <laughs> and you think he would have maybe learned this from the, the whole Mac 10 thing? Yeah, and- right. Probably wasn't even in the trunk. It's probably just sitting in the back seat out in the open. Yeah. When police ran the registration on the car, they found that it was registered to Paul Cosner, who had been reported as missing. But the plates on the car were registered to Lonnie Bond Sr. Jesus. (laughs) Also in the car, police found tons of Lake's photographs, including pictures of the Bond family. I think the jig is up, as they say, Lenny. And boom goes the dynamite. (laughs) And it wasn't like Lonnie Bond, what happened to him, like them just disappearing. It, it was all over because Scott Stapley was one of the founding members of the Guardian Angels. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew about them. So now he's seeing pictures of the Bond family. Right. You know, 
So it's not like a case the police were unaware of. They immediately right. recognized. Like, oh, why are these fucking plates? Yeah. Why are Lonnie Bond's plates on this car? Lake was arrested and taken to an interrogation room where he asked for a piece of paper, pen, and a glass of water while he was waiting. Lake wrote a letter to Cricket that said the following. Dear Lynn, I love you. I forgive you. Freedom is better than all else. Tell Janet I'm sorry. Mom, Patty, and all. I'm sorry for all the trouble. Love, Leonard. Lake folded the letter and put it in his shirt pocket and took one of his cyanide pills that he always talked shit about and went into a coma. He died three days later in the hospital and police were completely blown away. Like at this point, they had a guy that they were suspicious of being connected. Like he's obviously connected to these missing people, but they don't really know yet. All he's arrested for is an illegal modification on a gun. Yeah. Like it could have been friends of Bonds. Potentially. Like they didn't There could have been an explanation. Yeah. So they're just like, we didn't even talk to this guy and he just killed himself. himself. Yeah. yeah. Like there ha- like there has to be way more to this. Right. One of the detectives had been working on the Dubs family disappearance that we talked about in part two. And he later said that as soon as he got word of Lake suicide, that between all the stolen shit and, and the fact that he just killed himself without even talking to anyone, he immediately knew that Lake was probably involved in the dubs. <laughs> Smart. <Yeah. laughs> the employees in the store also got a, a really good look at Charles Ng. So now police want to talk to him. After he ditched Leonard Lake at the store, he immediately got in contact with Cricket. According to Charles Ng, quote, I told her what happened, that Leonard might be busted at the South City Lumberyard for shoplifting and asked her to drive me down there to check on him and see if he was okay. We jumped in her car and drove to the lumberyard. I wonder if he told her it was revisionist history. uh, (laughs) Did he say it was my shoplifting? (laughs) Leonard might be busted at the South City Lumberyard for shoplifting. We should probably go check on him. (laughs) According to Ng, the two drove past the lumber store. And while Ng ducked down, they saw Lake talking to the police. Cricket then drove Ng to a bus stop. From there, Ng called his aunt and told her he decided he needed a vacation and needed a ride to the airport. From there, his aunt drove him to the San Francisco International Airport, where using the name Mike Komodo, Ng flew to Chicago and then to Detroit, and finally crossing the border into Canada, where his sister lived. He made his getaway, huh? Don't worry. He'll fuck it up. I have no, I have faith. He'll fuck it up in part four. Very similar to his fuck up with the vice. Steal a pack of gums at a CVS or something. (laughs) You're not far off. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much at the same time that this was happening, police found an electric bill in the Honda Prelude that was in the name of Clarilyn Ballas, AKA Cricket, and was addressed to the cabin in Calaveras County. The timeline is pretty muddy, but sometime after Cricket dropped off Aang, she drove to the cabin and removed videos that she said were consensual videos between her and Lake that she didn't want found, not because they were incriminating, but because they were embarrassing. I think it takes quite a lot to embarrass Cricket. I don't believe this, and something's very muddy about this. (laughs) Like we said in part two, it's proven there was a tape where she acted like she was Cheryl Coro who Lake had killed. And there's also another tape that was found where Cricket is talking about, quote, some cute 14 or 15 year olds in her classroom that would be good for their tapes. 
so make of what she hid, oh. what you will. She, was she a teacher? Did we discuss that? She was a teacher's aide. Okay. Oh, I don't remember that part. Not suspicious at all. She she had no involvement, it seems like. There was only consensual stuff she was getting oh, rid of. Oh, man. And that is where we will pick back up on part four. In part four, we'll get into Ng's time in Canada, the search of the cabin, Cricket's involvement in the investigation, and how Ng's trial in America would be the second most expensive trial in California's history. Oh, that's interesting there. The first, number Behind one. O.J. Simpson? No, number one is the Satanic Panic Trials. Uh, number two is Charles Ng. Number three is O.J. Huh. How about that? I remember you teasing that on one of the other episodes, but I, I thought O.J. was one. Yeah, he was number three. We're going to see this out with they get busted in 85. Charles Ng isn't actually sentenced in America until 1999. Wow. Is that right? Yeah. That's a hell of a teaser. It's a long process. His oh. trial is a whole saga. His... Between Canada and here, still a lot of Charles Ng left. Hence the part four. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Lake's already done. Yeah. He's, he's gone. We've got a whole other part, and one of the main characters is already all, written off. I think this was probably right on the border of whether it would have been a really, really long part three yeah. or part four. So I think I'm glad we went part four. Yeah, it would have been a really long episode, this one. Well, it's up to the listeners, right? Whether to listen to part four. Keep the downloads coming. Oh, we'll see. They'll tell us whether or not it's worth it. If there's a, you know, roller coaster type drop off after part three, then Then you'll know. People have spoken. Yeah. I think it was important to leave in that transcript just to show just how awful this is. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, documentaries like those old TV show things, there's a couple of them about that. Like even those kind of gloss over, they bring up the tapes because that's what everybody thinks of. Yeah. They don't go into like really the tape. They play that yeah. the clip and then that's that. Well, that's pretty awful. Not a whole lot to really say with that. Yeah. This one up this one speaks for itself. I can't think of a worse kind of episode slash show we've done. Do the, we find out or get into what happened with Brenda? Or do we just kind of assume you assume I there was actually we did we covered the some of the notes on Kathy Allen's tape last week there was a part in the book that I got to that I didn't get to when I was doing that part of the outline but that there weren't like really really detailed notes about her tape but the one one of the notes was uh that she suffered injuries that they knew she wouldn't survive from on tape mm. like they you know they saw that on tape <sighs> well, that's horrific well we'll get into the evidence and all that like what they actually found so yeah yeah they find a lot out there it's a lot left for part four sounds like it's not gonna get any happier no no we do a happy story next time <laughs> like the history of mr rogers or something there we go didn't that movie just come out though yeah let's do that have you seen that tom hanks obviously was it good i haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know they made that Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it either. They got a lot of hype when it first was coming out. Yeah. I remember seeing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I want to watch that tonight now. Feel better about life yeah. before you. Uh, yeah. I'll be a little uplifter. Watch that. What is it? Be- Hello Neighbor or Beautiful Day Neighbor or something like that. I don't know. That and, you know, some French bread pizzas. That's a hell of a way to end a night. Sounds like a great night. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch some. It's always sunny. Right home. Bring my mood up a bit. Scrub this fucking shit out of your brain. Yeah, I transcribed all this and then uh, 
all from like handwritten notes yesterday. Wow. Written this morning. Look at that effort, folks. How about that's dedication. Well there. done. Like it was really burned into my brain, Ugh. but now it's really burned in because I just read it all over again. Right. Pretty much almost the same it day. Detox a little bit. Just go home and watch something mindless and ridiculous. Watch like Dumb and Dumber. Borat. Be a good one. Borat <laughs> would be fun. So, all right. Well, we kind of, I don't know. There's nothing much to say with this one. And we teased what's coming up next week. Yeah. So, we'll put a bow in this one uh, next week and follow up. I mean, the trial seems like it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's real interesting. He makes the a really bad mistake in trying to defend himself. Oh, that's weird. That usually works out so yeah. well for defendants. <laughs> I feel like that's never usually a good plan. Nope. A lot of interesting quotes from him, though. He's an interesting guy. He would be, I could see him like in some stupid comedy if it wasn't about. If it wasn't so brutal horrible. murders. Yeah, right. Yeah. Two dumb friends and the hijinks that ensue. Right. And they take a road trip across America. <laughs> All right, it's been a uh, couple weeks since we recorded, and hot damn, we got some patron shout-outs. So uh, first and foremost, we have a shout-out for uh, Jaden Dyer. Jaden, I apologize. Your uh, dumbass boyfriend didn't realize when he signed <laughs> up for uh, Patreon uh, for the both of you and only input his name that he would be the only one getting a shout-out. Uh, but he contacted us and wanted to do a make good and make sure that we knew that you were also uh, – a patron of the show. Uh, he's Canadian. I'm assuming he's a Calgary Flames fan with that kind of, uh, you know, mistake. But anyways, thank you very much, Jaden. We appreciate you uh, you listening. Also new patrons, uh, Kenneth Sagan, Sarah, Katie Vinoy, John Monick, released the Children of God episode. I think we did release a Children of God episode. Two of them, in fact. That was great. Yeah. Connor, Nicholas Eliason, Mike Kemper, Joseph Blake, Logan Ellers, Dylan, Tomas Jimenez, Jesse Lee, Tyler Haley, Max Ritter, Jesse Copage, Hunter Thomas, Chris McEwen, Jarris Conway, Samantha Rose Key, Cindy underscore L, Vanna Migliaccio, Aussie Wolf Creek Wade, Trent Gregson, Emily Haley Hartman, Crystal Carasquillo. He's Reed. nailing some of these Italian names tonight. I hope it's right. They sound right. Reed Shoemaker. <laughs> I've been studying with uh, uh, Chicatillo. Chicatillo. He's been helping me with my uh, Italian. Uh, Reed Shoemaker. I think I read him, but uh, there's an extra shout out. Chesney Miller, Lucas LaCourie, Sean Bennett, Jackson McCutcheon, TJ Sanders, Damon Roberts, Raw Dog Ron. Hey, Ron. <laughs> Isabel Grotting, <laughs> Kayla Valdez, Ashley C., Melissa Ramos-Stover, The Queefer, Lyric Grande, Strawfire71, Jesse Zahi, Tyler, Spencer Blackwood, Allie, Riley Adkins, Brielle Raskin, Signe Sailor, Toby Hates Fucking Fosters. God damn, pal. I ain't got get hot about it. <laughs> Who's forcing you to buy it, man? Why so mad? <laughs> Don't drink it, man. Chris P uh, Panera, Mrs. Powley, Rodolfo Gomez, Aiden, Susan Bellamy, Mike's College Cum Sock. <laughs> if that's what you want to call your girlfriend, pal. 
Mike's <laughs> uh, Mike's under Mike's underscore my underscore favorite sixty nine. Not oh, bad. That sounds promising. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Gary's girl, perpetual coin toss. Rachel Bennett, Danny Landry, Richard, or as I like to call him, Dick. Jake Hooper, Timmy Marshall, Seth Skelton, Seth Skelton. Kind of list you give me here, Dave. Paranois, Mike's massive, juicy, throbbing nine iron. What the? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like some people just join Patreon to come up with nicknames. I think you're right. I love Taco Cheetah. Mike sucks rotten donkey balls. <laughs> How about that one? <laughs> Shannon Post, Allie D, Saskatchewan Jill, Deborah Pina, Jordan Richmond. Guys, we're a quarter of the way through. <laughs> Kate Shoemaker, Dylan Harrell, Kalem Perkins, Blumpkin Spice Latte. That is a good one. <laughs> Sarah Howard, Kayana, Sandish Poon, Christine Grau, Christina Bailey. <laughs> Randall Lanier, double zero, Miss Chris, double zero, zero, Amanda, Stacy McKay, Nick Potts, Clancy Byrne, Mason McLemore, Amanda Garcia, Mogo873, Heather Pop, Jessica Seipel, Jax Cop, Shane Donahue, Carmen Netch, Zach, BTK Snots, Suhalia Hossein, Nikki Nick, Patrick Aaron, Emily Stahl, Gianna, Micronama Penis. There we go. <laughs> Ashley Mills, JB. I thought Vader. Jared from uh, Just Brew Coffee was already a patron. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were playing off my name again. Micronama Penis. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Jared, you're, that's a low blow, Pally. <laughs> Ashley Mills, JB Vader. Ramey Cronk, Leanne Marshall Wood, Alan Coleman, and Kristen Callen. Thank you all very much. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. I like, uh, what's his name? Raw Dog Ron. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, Jimmy Hats, they don't work for me. I go by Raw Dog Ron. <laughs> Jimmy Hats. <laughs> Raw Dog Ron. <laughs> all right. I think that guy's like balls deep, right? As we're recording, he's balls deep and, you know. He's got to be, right? Raw Dog and somebody right now. Sure. Maybe with us on in the background. Maybe. We set the tone. Um, <laughs> well, if we were worried this was going to be a short episode, that certainly took care of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Aiden B, AK Med 34, Amber King 280, Ashley Jensen 44, Nessa Nelson, Jim 5085, Jim Jams a lot. Hell yeah. Just like Raw Dog Ron. <laughs> they should be friends. Jam together. Imagine that apartment. <laughs> and one girl, one review. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. You don't have one for uh, Holy Holly Garrett this week? I you were, you were reading hers every week. I thought you, I was waiting to see if you read it again. Did he do that one twice? I don't yeah. remember that. Holly. Holy yeah. Garrett. That's right. You called her Holy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave, what do you got? I don't have much. Nah. I'm a little sickened by this episode. You ready to go watch uh, Mr. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Yeah. A feel-good story. Pass out. All right. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod. Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch. 
and patreon.com slash necronomapod to have access to the bonus content. You can check out the different tier levels there. And then our website is obviously necronomapod.com. Appreciate you guys listening. All right. You guys ready for your cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>